Hello and good morning. Welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Brett Machat. I'm joined by my wife, Allison Machat, and Steven Zeidner. He goes by Steve. That's his biggest fan over there. Um, and we wanted to just welcome you and invite you to worship with us. Those of you in the lobby, come on in. The service has started. Uh, you can stay seated if you want. If you want to stand, that is totally all right. But we're sitting down. And so we wanted to invite you to sit with us and sing. Um, so, yeah, here we go. Hey, we believe that, right? That our testimony is founded in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome. Like I said, my name is Brett Machat. I'm excited to have you here with us this morning. Uh, if you are new here, or maybe you've only been coming for a couple of weeks, we want to let you know that this is a multicultural church. This is a bilingual church. You probably already noticed that our lyrics are not only in English, but they're also in Spanish, and that is because we have a lot of people that come here that speak Spanish. Uh, so actually, for the next song, we're going to be singing some Spanish, and I want to encourage you, try and sing it. You might mispronounce a couple of words. It's okay. I'm probably going to mispronounce a word or two, and that's all right. But I want to encourage you to try and sing it in Spanish. It's really fun. It can be really exciting and uniting for us as a body of Christ. Um, but before we do that, I want to give you guys a couple announcements, some things that are going on. Yesterday, our Honduras team arrived in Honduras. Woo! Let's praise God for their safe traveling so far. This was them in the Miami airport. JR sent me this photo, and I want to shout him out, especially him and uh, Johanna, because they're not pictured. Um, but yeah, so far, they're, they're there. They're serving. Um, and we're actually going to have some time today in the service during worship to pray for them. Um, also, something else that is happening soon is LCC is turning 25 in September. Woo! Happy birthday, LCC. Uh, I've only been here for like six years, but still, I feel excited to be a part of something so big. So if you are watching online, maybe, and you haven't come here in a long time, we would love to have you join us that whole weekend. It would be awesome to see you. And everybody here, make sure to register online. All right, RSVP, go onto mylcc.info, that is the website, and RSVP for all the fun activities that we're doing that weekend. Um, also, something for you to RSVP towards is the group life retreat that is happening in August. Um, August 5th and 6th. Now, I know when people see group life, they think, oh, that's probably just for the cell group leaders. Well, guess what? It's not. It's for anybody <laughs> who wants to go. So... I'm not a cell group leader. Allison, can I go? Yes, you can. Well, you're not a cell group leader. Can you go? I can. Steve? You heard it, you heard it from, from the three of us. So if you're not a leader, that's okay. You can still sign up and go. It's going to be awesome. We did something like this last year, and it was really good. It was not only invigorating, but I feel like we learned a lot and grew together. Okay, uh, I'm going to ask you guys to stand just for a second. You can sit back down once we're done with this, but stand and find somebody in your vicinity, maybe it's somebody you know, maybe it's somebody you don't know, introduce yourself and say, good morning. We want to take a moment out of our morning to just pray and reflect and be together. Specifically for our, our friends and our family in Honduras. In fact, actually, we're going to put up that picture again of them just so we can see them and I want to encourage you to, to pick someone in that group. And maybe you know everybody in that group. Maybe you know nobody. But pick.
think someone, don't forget about JR and Johanna, they're not in the picture. Pick a face and, and pray for them right now. Pray that as they are there in Honduras, that God is working in them, that God is working through them, that they're safe. I'll let you guys pray and then I'll close this out in a minute. thankful for your presence. We're thankful that you call us to be so much more than we would ever be on our own. God, we thank you for this community of believers. Thank you for everybody here, whether it's their, their first time or if they've been coming for, for all 25 years, God. We thank you for them. Holy Spirit, please fill this place. Fill our hearts. Help us to not leave the same as we came in. And God, we want to lift up all of our friends and our family in Honduras right now. We're so thankful for them. They heard your call and they said that they're not only available, but they are willing to go. They're giving you everything that they have right now, God. Their time, their effort, their money. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, I wasn't planning on saying this, but keep praying for them this week. Three of them live in my house. So um, it's just, I'm, I don't, this is way off script. Um, it's just tough being a teenager, a young person. <laughs> right now, it's tougher now than it was when I was one. I, I don't know what else to say. Um, so keep them in your prayers. Um, keep them in your prayers. Um, my name's Tom. I'm the teaching pastor around here, but we, um, if you're new to us, um, we, we share this space. There's, there's several, quite a few people who, who, who we believe the Lord's gifted and grace to, to share the Word of God around here, and so we do that on a regular basis, but we're glad you're with us. Um, and we're, we're um, I'm, I'm going to start this morning just by saying, um, uh, telling you something. I, 
I have a, I, I have a hard, I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at, at building patterns in my life. Like, I'm, I'm just not a creature of habit, honestly. Um, <clears throat> but there is, there's one thing, one, one habit or pattern that I've managed to create over the last, I don't know, there's some debate about whether or not it's been seven years or ten years. It depends on where this all started. But, but I actually, um, and don't judge me, but I, I go to the movies once pretty much every week. I go see a movie every week. Um, I, it's, it's, a, it's a social engagement for me as much as anything else, but I enjoy going. I enjoy, I enjoy seeing the movies. I enjoy, you know, the, the, the popcorn and, and the, the cherry Coke and all the things that, you know, you get to do with the movies. Um, but in, in those times going to the movies, I mean, I honestly, like hundreds of movies now over this last stretch of years. Um, but um, but, but <laughs> I've experienced some crazy things. Like I actually saw Independence Day colon resurgence. Um, which was a real movie uh, that was terrible, um, but I was there for it. Um, we, I, we have, I have sat in the theater and watched a set of trailers uh, before the movie starts, and then when the movie starts, had to get up and go to a different screen because we realized we were in the wrong theater, and, and <laughs> we weren't there to see Amy Schumer. We were there to see something far more serious. Um, we've been lots of movies, lots of movies where I, I do go with one other person on a regular basis, sometimes it's more than one other person, but I've been in lots of theaters where it's literally just the two of us, like IMAX theater, hundreds of seats, and two people. It's our own private screening sometimes. Uh, recently, recently a, uh, uh, when I say it's tough to be a middle schooler these days, um, I, a, a, middle, or a teenager these days, a middle schooler threw like a, an empty tray of nachos and it hit me in the head and the, the power of Jesus in that moment and his spirit was necessary because I was about to become one of those like viral videos of like middle-aged man going wild um, um, but but it didn't turn into a major scene but it really did ruin the movie um, but but uh, but just a couple weeks ago I saw something I'd never seen before um, uh, we were standing outside the, the movie theater and down the escalator came uh, probably two dozen teenage boys in formal dress coming down the escalator jackets ties the whole bit um, making plenty of noise, as a group of two dozen teenage boys would. They caught our attention, and sure enough, uh, I did some investigating, and I learned about this. Hashtag gentle minions. Anybody know about this? Can I get it? Yeah, I see some heads bobbing. This is a thing where um, the new The Minions movie, okay, it started as an online fad or trend, where young men are dressing in their finest attire and going as groups to see the Minions movie. Um, it's, estimated, it's estimated that this population makes up maybe as much as 10 to 15% of the overall box office take of a movie that was like over $100 million or something at this point. Like, it, it, why? Why is this happening? It sounds like I, I did my homework, I tried to figure this out, what's the connection? And it, it, the best explanation I could find is one author who said, we've dug into this, we've dug into this, we've interviewed. We went back to the first person who used the hashtag gentle minions and asked them, okay? And the best we can figure out is that it's a combination of social media and teenage boredom that began with, with someone going online with their group of friends and saying, we're going to do this. And they went to the movie and they put it as a hashtag and it's exploded. And in two weeks' time, you have tens of millions of dollars all these young people, young men, going to see this, this movie in their finest dress. And I, I mean, I, I witnessed it. It's really happening. It, it's actually happening. And here's the thing. This is what I say. 
don't underestimate, okay? Don't underestimate what can happen when a story starts to take root, okay? Now, before there was, before there was social media, before there was the, the, the Hollywood industrial complex churning out all kinds of, you know, entertainment of all various levels for streaming and for movies and for whatever, you know, movies were kind of like a, a, a big deal. There was, you know, it was, they, they, weren't, they weren't, weren't five movies coming out every week. It was like one movie a month coming out, and, and everyone kind of went to see it. And, and, and it actually shaped major uh, things in, in American culture, okay? Um, the, the, like, do, do you know that, um, that after the movie Bambi came out, that, that it's best estimates, it's, it's hard to get numbers, but best, best estimates that, that um, hunting went, went down by about 50% for a period of three to five years, and it came back up after the movie Bambi came out. Did you know that, that, that Levi's, Levi's jeans was almost like non-existent. It was about to go away until Rebel Without a Cause okay, came out, and he wore Levi's jeans, and suddenly Levi's became like the blue jeans that everybody wears. Uh, beach tourism dropped. Can you guess when? Trips to the beach? Yes, mid-70s, right? Nobody's going to the beach because of jobs. Some of you to this day, admit it. Some of you to this day don't like going in the water. It's, I'm like, it's just Elm Creek. I don't think Jaws is in there, but some of you don't want to go. But a story well told can really shape a culture. And we're in a series around here where we're talking about Jesus. We're calling it Jesus and, and we're reflecting on, on what, what if, what would it be like if we started our life with Jesus? Looked at what he has to say, and then from there, we moved out into our lives and, 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 and shaped our lives around him rather than trying to squeeze him into the space in our lives. And today we're going to talk about Jesus and stories. Jesus and stories. Storytelling made up a significant piece of Jesus' ministry and teaching. Um, but, but there's more to it than that. Stories also always played a significant role in shaping human history. Most like, you know, we, we call them, you know, the ancient myths or whatever, but these are all stories of, of ways people tried to explain the world around them. And, and in fact, the undoing of the ancient myths was, was done through story by the Greek philosophers telling their stories that, that undid a lot of that. But, but ultimately, like, we, our worldview, the way we see reality is shaped by the story or stories that we believe to be true. We call them narratives or meta-narratives or whatever, but essentially they're just really big stories that we latch onto, that we, that we believe explain important things to us, okay? And, and if you'll indulge me for just a few minutes, here's the deal, okay? A big story, these stories that we arrange our lives around, they always begin with some explanation of origin. I'm not just talking about like smallish stories. I'm actually not talking about Bambi anymore. I'm talking about the really big stories that we arrange our lives around. They begin with, with sort of answering like, where do we come from? Like, why are we here? And, and the big stories that we arrange our lives around answer that question. At this point, there's kind of, there's very few answers. Like, were we created or is it all just natural and happenstance? But, a, but an origin, where, where do we come from? And from our origin... Every big story defines our problem. Like, in what we experience, in the way that we live, what's, what's wrong, what's blocking us from, from flourishing? We, it's a diagnosis of what ails us as people. Every big story, every one of the stories that we shape our lives around does this. 
And there's a huge difference here. Whereas in origin, when it comes to the, to, to the origin question of where are we, there's, there's kind of limited answers. When it comes to the problems that we face as people, we can camp on any number of answers here. Okay? There's all kinds of different things. And, and, our, and our big stories, our big narratives have very different answers at this stage. More about that in just a second. From our problems, we start to formulate solutions. Once we think we know what the problem is, we start to propose solutions. Or if we have a diagnosis of our sickness, we start to prescribe something to heal. Okay? This is, this is what we do. Based on those problems, how do we make it better? How do we do something about it? And there's an ongoing nature to this. Once, once a view of the world or a big story starts to answer the question, what's wrong with us and how do we fix it? It's not like it's a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's ongoing in nature. And, and, and we argue at this level about, about solutions. What should we do? But remember, if we don't agree on the problem, we're probably not going to agree on the solution. Okay? But, but these big stories that we tell, these, these stories that our lives get gathered around, and let me, let me give you just one example, and I know it's a hot button, but let me give you an example, okay? Every day now, every day now, in, if you're paying attention to the news, there's, there's, there's gun violence and, and mass shootings, right? Okay? I think we agree it's a problem. I don't think anybody says, no, it's not a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. And it's, it's in the news. But we, we oftentimes, and if you're paying attention to people proposing solutions, there's an awful lot of disagreement, right? A lot of disagreement. So much disagreement that it feels like, at least it feels like to me, we're sort of stuck. We can't come to an agreement on what we should do. And here's, let me say it this way. One, re the... the before we get to a solution, in many ways, because we don't agree on the nature of the problem. We don't agree on the nature of the problem. Is the problem that we have a systemic issue when it comes to weapons? Or is the problem that we have individual people who are struggling with mental health problems? You see how the, answering that question one of those as a yes or a no as the primary problem is going to change the solutions that we propose to it. So we start to, listen, we, the stories that we latch onto, the stories that we believe to be true, the way that we craft a narrative about what's wrong with us and what should we do about it, that, that informs us. It informs us. It sets us down a path. And I would argue that, that at our, in our present moment, when I say it's tough to be a, a young person today, the explosion of narratives and stories, the explosions of stories that you can, you can bring your life around, that you can, you can settle your life on, is, is, it's confounding. I don't even know how, like, they're, they're everywhere. The sexual revolution has its story that it tells. And, and, and so you've got all kinds of solutions proposed there. The politi each political party has its own, and then even further independent political ideologies have their own. Psycho psychoanalysis, modern psychology has its, its, has its answers here. We, we've got all these stories everywhere. Which, how do we latch on? How do we take, 
How do, we, how do we come to any agreement on what we should be doing when we don't agree on what the problem really is? Okay? And ultimately, and ultimately, a big story speaks to our outcome or our destiny. If we, if we successfully solve the problem, what happens for us? Okay? What happens for us? Now, quickly, uh, I'm going to have to do this really quick, but, but let's play the game of, like, can you guess the story? Like, whose story is this? We come from just natural causes. Our problem is inequality. The prescription is socialism. And if we're, if thus the destiny would be equality, who's, that's Marxism, right? That's Marxism. That was his story. He, and now again, believe me, I know that there are people who like get PhDs in this stuff and I'm like 30 seconds, okay? I realize there's more complexity than just this. But as a thumbnail, okay? What about this? The origin is just humanity. We exist, therefore don't overthink it. <laughs> Okay, our problem is ignorance. The answer is education or maybe enlightenment, progress. This is humanism. This is the story of humanism. It begins with us. Okay, we can, we can do this. What about this one? I like this one, <laughs> okay? This is the Christian story. God creates. We sin. We've sinned. Sin is our problem, okay? Both my individual sin, but us together, we, all, we, we sin, okay? It has impact on everything. Redemption is the answer. Redemption is the answer, and ultimately it leads to glory. Around here, we tend to, look, to put it like this. We look at it this way, right? Like we've used this picture from time to time if you've been with us. But creation, sin, redemption, and, and glory, that's sort of the four phases of God's story. This is what, what God has done through Jesus, what God has done through Jesus. And you would say, like, well, Tom, where's that in the Bible? Well, I don't know, maybe, like, John 3, 16. Like, why do people put this up at, at football games and sporting events and wherever, right? Like, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look, God's story begins with his love. He loves, he creates. He, he expands his love through the creation of others made in his image. That's a, it's a, it's a, it's a creation piece. What's the problem? Well, the problem is our perishing because of our sin. Like, without some issue, our sin's going to kill us. Okay? But redemption comes through belief in him so we can have eternal life. Right? That's one of the reasons why John 3.16 is so powerful. And let's not ever let it become trite. Because it, it's, it's a summary of, of what God has done for us in totality. Today, we're going to look at Matthew 13. If you have your Bible and you're going to, the rest of the time, we're going to look at Matthew 13. And, and again, we'll put it up here, but Matthew 13 is right in the midst of some other passages we've been looking at together. It's in that section of Jesus' ministry where the crowds were coming out, and um, he's, he's healing people, and he's, he's casting out demons, and, and, and uh, miracles are taking place. And he actually, this passage uh, that we're going to look at in Matthew 13 comes right after uh, something that Brett shared with us um, last week on, on family, and, and Jesus has an interaction with his family. Okay, has an interaction with his family. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1, it says, it says this. There it is. Okay? It says, that same day. So this is the same day Jesus had, had said, like, you know, unless you're willing to leave your family, you can't follow. Okay? That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. So people wanted to be around him so much that, that they kind of pushed him off the, the land into a boat. He got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood at the beach. Um, cool story. Crowd, boat, beach. Ready? Keep reading. Verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, okay? Now, a parable is a story. It's a type of story. 
okay? It's a, it's a more specific, pointed story. We, I've been talking about, like, big-picture narratives, like grand meta-narratives. This is just like, this is a, he's, he's telling them particular stories. But a parable would be, like, an easily relatable earthly story that says something about spiritual reality, okay? So it says he's teaching them in parables, and, and he says this. He says, a sower went out to sow, to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them, and other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose up, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And he says this, he who has ears, let him hear. Right? Now, fascinating moment. Jesus tells this story. The story, he gives no, if, if we go back and look at this, and, and test me on this, go back and look, he says nothing in this first pass that Matthew records that's spiritual in nature. He doesn't say the kingdom of, of God is like a sower. He just says a sower goes out and he sit, spreads his seed. He just throws it around, okay? I have to believe if I'm there, I'm like, nice story. A check, yes, that is something that happens, Okay? And then he says something really powerful at the end because there's something that doesn't exactly get captured well in, in English. But he said, when he says at the end, he who has ears, let him hear, that was, that was a rabbi or a teacher's way of saying, you just heard the really important thing. Okay? And if I'm there, I'm going, no. I just heard a guy in a boat say that farmers go out and they throw seed around and some of it grows and some of it doesn't. That's what I heard. Okay? But he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Okay? He who has ears, let him hear. Now, we, we see that phrase, let him hear, or he who has ears, I mean, okay. But let him hear, we see that, and we think of hearing as a passive activity. We just, we conceive of it as passive. Someone is speaking, I am hearing. Okay? We actually have added, like, listening to this, Right? Remember the three-year-old with listen, Linda? Like, listen, this, the word listen, if you don't, I'm sorry, but, but you should know who that is. Anyway, um, but, but they're, they're, we, we, have, we have someone in our house who keeps saying, listen. They just feel like, like what I'm saying is stop and listen, okay? Before uh, pretty much every sentence, we're hearing listen in our house. We've actually added a word to, be, to, 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 to confer activity onto the, to hearing. Like, like hearing, in this context, hearing isn't, passive, it's active. Hearing's not something that I just sit back and it like, it, it automatically happens. What Jesus is saying is this. There's sort of like, you know, kind of drifting by, but then there's really hearing, okay? There's really hearing. And hearing is an, is an activity. It's something that you do, okay? Now, um, I, we hear that story and it's a nice story and maybe we've been around church enough to know there's more to that story that Jesus is going to go on and do some explanation. But in the moment, his disciples didn't know what he was saying. They, they had the reaction I think we would have just that if, if that's the first time we'd heard it. Like, cool story, man, about a farmer. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Okay? So they ask him, hey, can you tell us why you're telling these parables to people? Why are you just telling these stories? And skip down to verse 18 if you've got your Bible, it'll be up here. But verse 18 in Matthew 13, Jesus says this to explain the parable. He says, hear then the parable of the sower, okay? 
Here then, okay, so here's, let me explain to you the parable of the sower. By the way, it is the parable of the sower. The important thing here is the one who's doing the sowing. There's a reflection on how the, the, the seed is received, and that has to do with us, but this whole thing starts and begins with the one doing the sowing, okay? And so he says in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, okay, and, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path, okay? So now he's moved it from, from a, a, an earthly, just a story about throwing seed to now it's overtly spiritual. This is about our spiritual lives. He says, the word of the kingdom. When you hear the word of the kingdom, we can shorten that even to say, when you hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, okay, that he is the answer to our problem of sin. When you hear that, okay, sometimes it goes out and, and the person who hears it, but they don't understand it. There's a disconnect between hearing and understanding. And he says the evil one, which, you know, we would say that's truncate that to the devil. Like the devil comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. That's what's sown on the path. There's an element in some people hear the story of Jesus. They hear the story of Jesus. And there's just so much stuff that the devil can, and the devil can kind of quickly grab it. Like it never really gets to them. I don't understand all the dynamics of that, and Jesus doesn't say much more about it. I don't, I, don't have a, I don't have a good visual behind the scenes to say, like, yeah, it's just like this. I don't. But what I know is that Jesus says, That's, this happens. This happens. There's something happening in, in, in certain lives that when they hear the word of God, that they never, like, almost never even have a chance. It was, it was freely given to them. It was given to them just like everyone else. But they never had a chance. There's maybe, maybe we might say today, like, they're so deceived and embedded in some other story that they can't even entertain the possibility that Jesus could be the solution to the problems of the world. Maybe we could say it that way. But he goes on, and we need to keep moving. Verse 20. He says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. So this person hears it and is excited. This is great. Verse 21, yet he has no root, notice where it says that, in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word or the truth that's been spoken, the story, immediately he falls away. So it's sown on rocky ground. So it says he, it's received with joy. There are those who will receive the, the message of Jesus. They will receive Jesus' story, and it brings great joy. Like, it, it looks like this is... This is the thing I've always been looking for. But then it also says it has, there's no root, it says, in himself. There's something going on in, in us, in the person who, where that seed falls, that it can't, it can't really take root there. And so when difficulties arise or winds blow or whatever it is, the story doesn't get embedded. It doesn't stick. It doesn't grow with that person. Crisis causes distance from, from the joy that was initially experienced. If the first one, we might say, if the first one was the, the devil, this is the flesh, right? This is our flesh. Like there's some, sometimes the story of Jesus, it, hasn't, it doesn't take root because there's something in me that 
my flesh that doesn't have room or space for the story of Jesus to really take root. Do we follow? Keep reading with me. Verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Same outcome here. There's no, there's no growth. There's no fruit here. Because this is the one that grows up amongst thorns and thistles, amongst the weeds. Right? And here, Jesus blames this on the cares of the world. We saw the devil has an impact here. Our flesh has an impact. And in this one, it's the cares of the world. The world, the world doesn't really allow us room for the story of Jesus to take root and to grow up. I think all, all of these are, are dangerous, right? In all of these, there's no fruit bearing. I think for us, this, this one here is the one that I, I worry about the most. The cares of the world, particularly the deceitfulness of riches, comfort. I think the American suburban dream of jobs and recreation and, you know, children that grow up and are good and right and everybody can pat us on the back for what a good job we've done and accolades. And that's the, the deceitfulness of riches in our world is a real threat for us. And sometimes the story of who Jesus is and what he's done, it doesn't take root and bear fruit in our lives because of the, all the distraction of the stuff around us. It's a reality that Jesus recognized it was just as true at this point 2,000 years ago as it is for us today. And finally, he says this, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case 100, another 60, another 30. Sometimes, sometimes the seed goes out and it finds good soil. It finds soil where, where the seed can take root. And it grows, it's nurtured over time. In other passages, Jesus expanded this metaphor and, and talked about pruning and other factors related to the growth of, of this seed or this vine in some other cases. But, but the idea is that in some cases, the story of Jesus becomes so deeply embedded that it takes root and grows in the life of the individual. And that's the one where fruit, like that's where God's power is working and, and more and more fruit is being produced. So we're back to this idea of hearing and understanding, actively hearing, understanding, gathering, bearing fruit. And so to begin with, like, the power of story, Jesus has a story for us. He has a story for people. Our, our problems identified as sin in our life, and he's the answer for it. And he wants to bring us to glory when we hear that. We, can, we, we receive it in different ways. And who we are matters in the hearing of the story of Jesus. There's no way around it. Who we are matters in the hearing of the story of Jesus. Do we hear it well? Do we hear it well? Between the first telling of the story of Jesus and his explanation, though, there's, there's this... Space with the disciples, and we need to look at this as well. This is between the two sections we just read. Because his disciples came to him at first and, and asked him why he's speaking in parables. Look at verse 10. Why do you speak them in parables, they said in verse 10. 
And Jesus responds this way, and he says this. Catch this. I think this, this is where we want to land with Jesus and story. He answered them. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Oof. Now remember, in the context of the story that he told, who we are matters. It's not like, it's not like there's just a, a, a Harry Potter sorting hat at the beginning of time, and Jesus is saying, some people get it and some people don't. No, the soil of my life is a factor in how the seed is received. Okay? But he's, he's telling them, he's saying, look, Here's a, here's a simple reality. Some people will hear it and receive and understand, and some people will not. That's always going to be the case. It's always going to be the case. Some will receive and some will not. Keep reading because he says more on this. For to the one who has, more will be given, and, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even, when he, even what he has will be taken away. Pause there for a second because here's, this, is, this is also true in life, right? For the one who's, who is like receiving the seed, is receiving the story of Jesus, is embedding their life in it, is, it's taking root there and it's bearing fruit, guess what? In that person's life, it's more and more. There's greater and greater understanding. They, they, they see Jesus in clearer and clearer ways over time. To the other types of soil they see less and less. You catch this? There's no such thing as, well, I'm just kind of staying in place with Jesus. Jesus and I have come to an understanding about him and his story and its implications in my life. I've got some, I've got some territory that I've given to him, and he's, his story of, of, of salvation, redemption, is allowed to take root in those places. Like I've got a nice set of potted plants on the porch, and it takes root there. And that's where I've got Jesus contained. Now, here's what he says. If that's the way we try to handle this, this is the reality. The stuff in the potted plant, it's going to die. It goes away. Jesus is not a potted plant. He's like an invasive vine that grows up and around and into everything. Okay? To the, to the one who has, more is going to be given. But to the one who, who has not received, it, the, the bit, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be gone. It's going to be taken away, verse 12. Verse 13, he says, this is why I speak to them in parables. This is why story matters. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. There's this reality that we need to come to terms with when it comes to Jesus. We can be around him, and his story has not taken root with us. Can I repeat that? I'm not sure I can. We can be around him, but his story, who he is, and the reality of all that it means has not taken root in us. You follow me? You follow what Jesus is saying here? We can hear it and still be deaf to what Jesus is telling us in our life right now. We can have seen it, and still be blind to what Jesus is trying to do in our life to bear fruit right now. Got it? This is critical. This is a big deal. Keep reading verse 14. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, Isaiah, the prophet of the Old Testament, said this, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. 
if Isaiah prophesied it and Jesus is quoting it, it can happen. You can see what Jesus has done and hear his words and still not really get it. It goes on, for this people's heart has grown dull. Why has this happened? We have dull hearts. Their ears, they can barely hear. Why are our ears are like shut off to this? Their eyes have been closed. We just, we're like, you know, if I close my eyes and grit my teeth and cover my ears, Jesus will stay out of the rest of my life. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. You get the language of this? This is, this is problem and solution. The problems of my life, Jesus wants to move into them. He wants to do something about them to solve them. It's, it's healing. This is the solution. Unless, if only, if only, one last bit, verse 16 and 17, he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. Boy, when it takes root, right? When it takes root. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Do you get this? Listen. Listen. For ages, for ages, people have been trying to explain the world around them. Where we've come from, what's wrong with us, what we should do about it. And when we do something about it, where do we all wind up? We've been crafting narratives as long as we've been communicating. And Jesus says this, if you will tune your ears to me, if you will really search for me, I'm here. I've got the answers. My story penetrates. But if you start to say, nah, Jesus, he's not forcing himself on us. And the soil becomes inhospitable to him, to the story. It doesn't take root. It doesn't bear fruit. We, you with me? This is critical. When it comes to Jesus and stories, here's the deal. His story is the only story that matters. It's the only one that matters. Will we arrange our lives around it? Or are we going to try and get him to arrange himself around us? It's like, a, it's, it's, it, this is a binary thing. Sometimes there's shades to, well, there's degrees, there's steps. But here's the deal today. Jesus was God in the flesh who came to earth to, to, to give himself as a sacrifice for my sin and yours. And that's not a one-time transaction. It's an ongoing, deepening relationship where roots go down into my life. And it's, it's, a threat, it's threatened. It's not, it's not just automatic. The devil is out to try and snatch it away from us. Our flesh, just, our desires don't just naturally line up with Jesus' story. I don't want to believe that I'm broken and sinful. If I'm honest, I know it's true, but I don't want it to be true. 
And the world around me is yelling and screaming and shouting to try and get me to ignore it. To, to make my life about something else. To give my attention to something else. Have you checked your screen time today? The world around you is just invading your life and mine. But, but, can we arrange our lives around his his story. This is the good soil. You see, this is hearing. This is hearing. It's, it's in order to hear, we have to eliminate the distraction. We, we have to do this. We have to eliminate the other noise. Let's be honest. We are gluttons for entertainment. We're gluttons. We're overstuffed, and all we want to do is get more. We've got, it. We've got to start saying no. It's the distraction of the world. We can't, we can't hear Jesus' story. We're, we're, too, we're too stuffed. In order to hear Jesus, we have to stop making excuses. I'm too busy. Well, am I? I'm too busy for the thing that is most important, is what I'm saying there. Or it's too complicated. It's too com- I, I, just like, I just like a simple Jesus. I like a Jesus that I already understand. He doesn't stay there. He continues to push into areas where we have to to actively hear him. We have to give some focused time and attention to Jesus, to hearing his story, to listening to him speak, until we get to those places. Like, we're not tilling up the soil in our life where his... His life and his story can take root. His story is the only one that matters. His story is the only one that matters. He is the sower throwing the seed. Will we arrange our lives around him and his sacrifice for us? That's the question for this morning. Let me pray. God, um, boy, I... um, I know I'm distracted, and I know that I'm, um, I'm doing my best to try and contain you, Jesus, to try and keep you in, um, in a space where I, uh, I like to see you grow and out of areas where I don't. And I'm, I'm asking this morning that you would help us in our weakness. And Spirit, give us strength shine light in those places where we're um, where we're keeping ourselves um, we're keeping ourselves from seeing Jesus fully from from pursuing him more would you show us we're thankful to be together we're thankful that we do this together would you would you spirit allow uh, others to speak to us in this space to show us where, um, where we're, we're just intoxicated with all the other stories, all the other stuff. And uh, give us, Jesus, more of you. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. We sing that out to you, Father, and to you alone. Thank you for the privilege that we have to have heard the good news 
of your son and his sacrifice, we pray that you give us strength and the discernment and the ability to focus on that this week above all else, God, that we we run away from being busy. We run to you. And it's in your name that we pray, God. Amen. God is faithful. I thank you, Brett, and the worship team for leading us uh, today. Hola, amigos y iglesia. Welcome, church and family. And uh, we are very grateful and thankful uh, that you were joining us uh, here today. And one more thing before we leave, a reminder, uh, first week of August, uh, this would be August 5th and sixth on a Friday and a Saturday. We are having a group life retreat, and that's going to be right here at the church. And so this is for all of our group leaders. This is for those who are interested in becoming group leaders and everyone here who would like to take what we hear and what we learn on a Sunday morning in this environment into smaller environments, into groups, so we can pray for each other, encourage each other, and grow together. So you don't want to miss that. If you'd like to get more details and to sign up, uh, that will be on mylcc.info. Uh, uh, so feel free to do that. So thanks again for joining us uh, today. And we pray that you have a great week. Y que tengan un buen día y semana. Y adiós. <laughs>